Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Right now on The Fan, I'm joined by Cleon Jones, who is out with a new book called Coming Home, My Amazing Life with the New York Mets, and that is co-authored by Gary Kaschek. Cleon, thanks so much for joining me today. I appreciate it. So good to be here. Thank you guys for taking the time to talk with me. All right, well, in the book, Leon, you said you've always, and this is a quote, been more comfortable having other folks talking about me and not touting my own victories and my own achievements. I always said I didn't read about myself, and I don't like talking about myself. So my question is, why did you choose now as the perfect time to produce a book about your life? The truth is, my family, my daughter, Andrew, and son, Cleon Jr., and my wife, we sat around and have dinner, and one of them said, Dad, you should do a book. Of course, I wasn't thinking about doing a book, and suddenly I, I had a lot on my mind as related to my growing up and giving other people credit that they do, giving Gail Hodges credit for 1969 and my uh, high school teacher credit for uh, putting me on the right road so that I can become the person that I am today and giving me a vision, not just for myself, but for my community family and teammates. It's Cleon Jones telling a story about the people that made it possible for him to become a major league ball player. It's not about me. I remember my wife used to ask me all the time, did you read the paper today? I said, well, who is it about? She says, it's about you. I said, but I don't ever read about me. I know what I'm doing. What I've done all these years, I'm trying to put in words, but it's, 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 it's not about Cleon Jones. It's about everybody that played a part in my life from the time I was eight or nine years of age up until today. No one can actually say that they know the real Cleon Jones unless they read this book. You know, Cleon, when you're sitting down and you're going through chronicling your life, are there any parts of your story that you were hesitant to include in this book? Well, whatever happens, I did it. I, I tell it all. The good things, the bad things. I, I try to straighten out some things that were said to have happened that did not happen. We uh, we ran the whole gamut from my Florida incident to the Gil Hodges incident on the field. Certainly, uh, there were some things that I probably missed, but uh, it's not because I didn't want to put it out there. It's because I didn't think about it at the time, I guess. I have a quote here from Gil. It says, Gil told us in our first team meeting in 1968, that over the course of the year, we'd find out we were much better than we thought we'd be as a team, that we'd be a team to be reckoned with sooner rather than later. You wrote, we all looked around at each other wondering what team he was talking about. One, that made me laugh out loud. I didn't mean to, but I did. And do you remember the moment where you bought in to Gil Hodges? I played for a lot of managers, Casey Stengel and, and you name them. But after a month or two into the season and spring training, I realized uh, he, he was a baseball giant. 
that I thought he was. And all of us realized then that uh, he, he was on a mission to make us possibly the best player that we could be. We didn't think that he could pull this off, saying that we were better than we thought we were when we left spring training. We all got a little chuckle out of that because <laughs> even when you got Nolan Ryan, Tom Seaver, Kuzman, and Gentry, and all those uh, great arms that we had, we thought we were two years away from com really competing because we thought Chicago might have been the best team in, the, in, the, in our division, and that there was St. Louis and other people who were just as good. But he had other thoughts. And during the course of the season, he wasn't a real talker, but every now and then he would have meetings. And one thing he said uh, that really resonated with me was that if you don't beat yourself, it's difficult for the other team to beat you. And most of us didn't quite understand at that time what that meant. I found out that meant that if you don't make errors and make bonehead plays and, and make every situation count for you when there's that possibility, and then try to make every play to stop the other team from scoring, that's really what happened. We didn't have a great lineup, but he made it work. And most people don't realize that uh, we platoon. We had four guys uh, who knew when they got to the ballpark that they was going to be in the lineup. That was Bud Harrison, Jerry Grover, Tommy Agee, and myself. Everybody else on the team came to the ballpark each day, and they passed on the way to the lockers. They would have to look at the lineup to see who was playing. Th that really worked for us. And they bought into that concept, and every man on that roster that year played some part in winning ball games because Gil Hodges fired him up and kept him ready to win ball games. Cleon Jones, a member of the New York Mets Hall of Fame, joins us on WFAN. Uh, there was another incident you just alluded to it a little bit before. You talked about this in, in your book. Uh, Gil Hodges walked out to you in left field, took you out of the game, and in your book, Coming Home, My Amazing Life, the New York Mets, you wrote, it was an ingenious move as I see it today for him to come out and make a statement like that because it resonated with the whole team. But I caught myself, as I'm reading this, I caught the phrase, as I see it today. Is there a contrast yeah. with how you see it today versus how, when well, it first happened? Well, as I see it and know it today, I knew it then because we just left Montreal and I had a bad ankle that, you know, I could run straight, but I couldn't do any cuts and things like that. So we had a talk. Bill and myself, and what I told him is, is not, as long as I'm not hurting the team, I want to stay in the lineup because I was swinging the bat so good, it, it, it was just unreal. And I didn't want to come out of the lineup, and, well, he, he didn't want me to come out of the lineup as long as I wasn't hurting the team. But if you remember correctly, uh, uh, I even read about the, this saga. It rained heavily all morning, and the field was real wet, and Houston was putting a whooping on us. They, they was really giving it to us like they did most of the time. But this time it was just seen to be worse. And Johnny Edwards hit a uh, line drive down the left field line. And I ran over as best I could, picked the ball up, threw it in. He got a double out of that. Well, Gil, that was the time and the place to send a message. Not necessarily to me, but to the team. And so when he walked out on the field and, and he walked up to me and says, uh, are you all right? I said, I'm just fine. He said, I don't like the way you went out that last ball. I said, look down. And he looked down. My feet was underwater. His was underwater. Uh, that's how wet the field was. And he said, well, that's right. You got the bad anchor. So you probably should come out of the ball game. What you think? I said, you the manager. He said, well, I, th I think you should come on out of the ball game. So that's, I, I came out of the ball game. I went inside. I, I didn't have any malice about it because he was absolutely right. The way he did it, he wasn't trying to send a message to me. He was trying to send it to the rest of the team. All of them got that. So what happened after that is all of the teammates said, with God, 
if he goes out on the field and I'm leading the league by that time by 15 points. He goes out on the field and get Jonesy. What would he do with us? But, you know, there's a lot of lies told about it. I went into the clubhouse and tore the clubhouse up, and I was all upset and all of those things. Well, that was the funniest thing from the truth. I had great respect for Gil Hodges, and I think he had great respect for me. And and certainly he wasn't the type of manager to embarrass anybody because he was a one-on-one kind of guy. If he wanted to tell you or talk to you about something, he would call you in the office. He didn't let the whole team know what he was saying or what he was trying to do. So I, I knew who he was, and I, and, and, uh, I admire him for that. Suddenly, everybody on that team admired him for that one act because it turned, it turned the whole team around. <laughs> we became instantly a better team and a more driven team because of that one act. He, he was well-respected, and if not for Gil Hodges, we wouldn't be talking about the 1969 Mets. Cleon Jones, 1969 World Series champion, is with us on the fan. Cleon, Gil Hodges suffered a, a sudden fatal heart attack, as you know. You described him as a father figure, a superman. What was it like to be there in Cooperstown for the induction of him? Well, it should have happened years ago. I've always thought that he was a Hall of, a Hall of Fame player. That, that's my opinion. He was a prototype. Well, first baseman, everybody wanted to be Gil Hodges. He was a prototype. He was a good defensive player, good offensive player. He had that one bad streak during the playoffs and World Series that kind of defined his career and held him back. Well, he went over, what, 32 or something like that. Can't remember the number. But I know for a fact, had he lived, we would have won more championships and he would have been a Hall of Fame manager. I know for a fact that would have happened. So I, I was so proud that I could be a part of uh, his going to uh, be in his shrine and, and be there uh, to witness it because he deserved it, and he should have happened years ago. Key member of the Miracle Match, Cleon Jones, is with us on the fan. Um, you know, I'm reading, I'm thumbing through the pages, reading every single word, and, and Cleon, your thoughts on Yogi Berra might ruffle some feathers being in the market that we're in. There are a few things that you do explain in the book, but what was, in your opinion, the heart, the core of your discord with Yogi Berra? I, I didn't really have a discord with Yogi. What I've said about Yogi, he, he was a good baseball man. He was a good friend to all of my teammates and myself. Everybody wasn't built to be a manager. And like I said, he, he was a great coach. He's a great player. He's a fun guy. We all loved him. But when it comes to decision-making, he wasn't a Gail Hodges, a uh, case of Stinger. Uh, there was a situation that arose uh, on our team that should have been handled by the manager that wasn't really handled by the manager. And I'm talking about when I had the bad knee and I was supposed to be in the clubhouse getting treatment and all the coaches thought I should have been out on the field and they would come up and say, you, you should be out on the field. And I say, I'm where I should be. You need to go ask the manager, why didn't he tell you what was going on? Because we had had a meeting with Dr. Lamont, the team's physician, about how to bring me along and get me prepared to go in the game or something like that. I I wasn't sit on the bench. I couldn't sit on the bench with a wrap on because my knee would puff up. I was supposed to be given a chance when he was going to call on me whether I was going to be pinch hitting or going to the outfield or something like that. And he, he just forgot about all of that. And it, it made me seem like a bad guy because nobody knew that. But Ryogi, his wife, Dick Young, and Kenneth Drew, they were all in this meeting when we had to chart a course for me to work out the rest of the year until my knee actually got acclimated to playing again. And all that went to hell 
because he didn't handle it right. That was the dispute I had with him. As a person, you couldn't find a better person. We all know how great he was as, as a player. So, yeah, no, I, I love Yoga Barra. I just had a disagreement with, with him on how he handled me in, in a situation that should have been much better for the both of us. Well, with us right now is Cleon Jones, author of Coming Home, My Amazing Life with the New York Mets. So what do you owe Jackie Robinson? Everything. He was an uh, inspiration to me and, and my family. I'm talking about my great-grandmother, my grandmother, and, and, and all of us. Uh, he, he was my saving grace. I say that because every tough situation I got into in the minor leagues, all I had to do was think about Jackie, what he went through, and how he made it happen. And he was the uh, only black player in the whole league. And all he had was Rachel, his wife, to come home and uh, share what had happened and tell her how many times people tried to spit on him and, and what some of his teammates were saying, saying about him and all of those things. And I... I I couldn't have handled that. I don't know anyone who could have handled it the way Jackie. Because baseball takes concentration, and suddenly you have to have something to play for. He had Black America to play for. That's a tough hole, as I see it, to have a Black America on your shoulder. And that's what he had. Because if he stumbled or fall, when will we get another chance to play in the big league? So I credit this man as being the greatest athlete that ever played sports. I certainly have to give Branch Rickey who chose Jackie to, you know, actually perform this task, which was just, as I see it, I, I know I wouldn't want to be in that situation because somewhere down the line, I would have popped off or got in a fight or, or did something because I wouldn't have been, been able to take all that he, you know, he, he was able to endure. I had some rough times, you know, in the minor leagues and Carolinas and, and Virginia and all of the, and Florida and all those places, but I had other blacks on my team. This man had nobody. And I, I had a chance to sit down and talk with him and realizing he, he was uh, very articulate. He, he, he was a smart individual. And he was a fighter. You know, he, he, he had grit. But he, he swallowed all of that so he could make a difference. He certainly did for all the sports in all of America. In your book, and this is Cleon Jones on, on the line here, Coming Home, My Amazing Life with New York Mets. You also did, because tell tell the listeners about the instance with the waitress that wouldn't wait on you because of the color of your skin, and then why was it important for you to keep going back to that restaurant? We were in Florida. Uh, it was a restaurant, kind of a seafood restaurant, and it, it was four of us, uh, black guys. I was playing with Buffalo, Buffalo Bison at that time, and Dick Ricketts and Thompson uh, Green, uh, Amano, Samuel, myself, uh, Choo Choo Coleman, I believe. And they, they told us we, we were... We, we were the lead group in, in trying to integrate places like Atlanta and, 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 and Jacksonville because they know the Braves was coming to Atlanta the following year. This was in 64. So we went to this restaurant, and we sat there for about an hour. Nobody waited on us. And Dick Ricketts got up to seek out the uh, the manager of the restaurant, and he found me, came over, and he said, we, we've been there over an hour, and uh, we hadn't had any service. So he called the girl that was waiting, uh, should have been waiting on us over to the table. And, and she walked over and he says, well, why haven't you waited on this guy? And she said, just loud and point blank, I don't wait on. And man, my jaw dropped. I say, gracious. So he said, well, if you don't wait on these guys, so you, you, you have no job. Well, I, I didn't want her to wait on me after that, but, but, but the thing is she left. She left. 
So the next day, we went back to the same place. Uh, the, the next lady came over. They, she gave us good service and everything, and it was good food. And uh, the league had told us to stay together as a group. And the next day, we went back. The manager came over to the table and said, uh, I'd like to ask some of you guys, and, and I'm st- it's strictly up to you, whatever you say, uh, we'll abide by. She said, the lady that came over, and uh, she want to come over and apologize, say she's sorry, and would you accept that? I said, well, Dick was our sports uh, person, Dick Ricketts. He said, yeah, bring, bring over and let's, let's see what she has to say. And she came over and she apologized and she said, I'm sorry about what I said and uh, would you accept my apology? We said, sure, we, we accept your apology. She said, well, can I wait on you guys? And we all said, yeah. And she waited on us that day. And every time we went to Jacksonville or every ball game, she was always in the stand, you know, waving and hollering. And enjoying the ball game, she became a big baseball fan after that. So sometimes you just have to let people get all that uh, anger and frustration out of their system and understand that we all are brothers and sisters and that we have to live and work together. Otherwise, (laughs) we're going to have chaos like we're having right now. Did you ever tell Jackie Robinson that story? No, no, I, no, I, I, I didn't tell Jackie. Jackie had too many stories to tell me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, but, but again, it was a great story, and uh, uh, there are some others in the book about even integrating the ballpark uh, in Raleigh. I don't know if you got to that one yet with uh, my wife and my yes, my, they my wouldn't let them sit behind yeah. home plate. Right, right. So, so that, that, that's a lot of great stories like that in there, and and certainly uh, I, I can't compare. What happened to Jackie or some some of these other guys that came along, uh, Larry Dovey, people like that. But again, sometimes I've had teammates that we had uh, those differences, and once we played together and hung around together, we became the best friends. It, it, it's all in how you're brought up and what's instilled in you. And sometimes when you find out for yourself what life is all about, that's the b- best course of action. Because uh, certainly. Uh, I have a lot of great white friends, and and uh, we talk daily. And I, you know, when I came up, my grandmother—I I, don't—she she never spoke about. We knew we were segregated, but she never had bad things to say about anybody. I had hate. Uh, I thought she should have in many cases, but she didn't. And and uh, what I say is live and let live. And if we all do that, then we'd be better off. But I marvel. Uh, Jackie and Jesse and Joe Lewis and Bill Russell, uh, you, you go on and on. These guys did a great job, but they were built for it. Everybody's not built to handle situations like this, and God Almighty built them just for those actions, and it really helped guys like me to understand, and I think it did the same thing for Hank Aaron because we talked a great deal about it, segregation and how people was, was hating him and threatening his life and threatening it letting his family, and, uh, well, like I told Hank, we've seen all this before. Jackie went through all this. He survived it. You know you can survive it. And let, let's keep pushing. and Keep trying to make the world a better place. Cleon Jones, 1969 World Series champion, is with us on the fan. We'll fast forward to the last catch in the World Series. Davey Johnson said it was the hardest ball he ever hit. Jerry Kuzman said he thought it was a short home run. What was your read on it? Well, I, uh, David Johnson and I uh, worked in a med organization, and we, we were roommates <laughs> in spring training, and 
And when we traveled, every night before we went to bed, he would say, that's the hardest ball I hit in my whole career. And uh, <laughs> I, I would just look him straight in the eye and say, that's the weakest fly ball I've ever I've ever caught. Because, <laughs> number one, it, when, when the ball went up, I, I knew it was going to stay in the ballpark. I took one or two steps back, and I realized the ball was in front of me. Kuzman told me he thought it was a what, what was a home run, but I, but I knew the game was over at that point. All I had to do was catch that ball, and it was going to be over. The moment it went up, and as the ball came, when I got under the ball, I it came down, and I said, "Come on down, baby! Come on down, baby! It's all over." And I wasn't even on on the uh, the warning track. I was still on on the grass, mm-hmm. so. It might have been the hardest ball he ever hit, but he hit it on the wrong part of the bat, I think. If you could have stayed there <laughs> in that moment on your knee for a longer period of time, where would your mind have gone? Well, it, it certainly went to Christ Almighty. I, I, you know, thank God and all he had uh, done for us throughout the year. and Thank God for putting me in that position. And right away, my mind went to my hometown and my family and all of my friends. Here I am, a country boy from Mobile, uh, Africa town, and I'm catching the last out in a World Series. And now we're a World Series champion. And I'm the first Major League ball player to actually come from my hometown. So, yeah, I, I uh, it, it was a moment to me in Thanksgiving. As I said before, for Charles Rose, uh, Lena McCants, my grandmother, my great-grandmother, my brother, and all of my friends, this was for all of us, not for Cleon Jones and just New York. It was for all of us here uh, in Alabama, especially in Africa town. Cleon, you wrote in the book, there were two quotes that stuck out. You said, maybe, just maybe, we took away some of the hurt of losing an entire team can do to a city. And then you also wrote, I thought about our fans and that we were finally going to give them justice. And then you mentioned right. that word justice two or three more times. What does justice mean to you in that context? New York had lost the Giants, and they lost the Dodgers. And when the Metropolitan Ball Club came on the scene, we were playing in the polo grounds, and we were suddenly didn't remind anybody of the New York Giants. <laughs> and we certainly didn't remind anyone of the Brooklyn Dodgers. And we had no Willie Mays or Duke Snyder's or Don Newcomber. Uh, Juan Marshall, Will McCuff. We had nobody resembling any of those, those players. And, but New York rallied around the Mets, and we were putting people in the ball, ballpark, and all we were doing was losing, and just we, we just stunk up the place most of the time for those first three years. And, and it seemed like the, when I got there, uh, 64, 65, 66, we were, we were improving, especially with – Ed Cranepool and myself, we signed in 62. When we went to winter ball, aside from Ron Hunt, and maybe Chuchu Coleman, and Paul Blair, there were no signs of potential, you know, major league players uh, in that group. And finally, 68, 67, when Seaver, when Seaver got there, we, we felt like we could give the fans some joy. When, whenever he was on the mound, we could get a fan baseball, the baseball that they they they, they were used to. And when, when 68 and 69 rolled around, we, we could compete 
with with uh, almost anybody. We, we were kind of fun to watch, especially in '69. But we, we could steal bases, we could hit behind the runner, we could we could do all those things. And people was coming to the ballpark not to laugh or just get for a team out, just for an outing for a family, but to see good major league baseball the way it should be played. So that that that's my justice. Uh, to have a Gail Hodges, who was uh, great, great manager and would have been a Hall of Fame manager, to have a Hall of Famer like uh, Tom Seaver and, and Nolan Ryan to play in front of those guys. Uh, C- uh, Kuzman probably would have been a Hall of Famer had he not missed that, that whole season. So it, 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 it was, to me, we were just giving back because they had given us so much support and, and given us a reason to come to the ballpark and want to be better, to not hear the boos and, and the heckling. And, and it, it, it was just applause in 69. It was uh, let's go Mets all the time. And it was the guy in the stands who put up all the posters, mimicking every situation and, and keeping everybody alive in the ballpark by putting up those banners and those uh, little, little uh, markers that he had mm-hmm. that spoke to what was happening in the ball game. Uh, people were having fun, and they was enjoying coming into the ballpark. So that, that's what I mean. We was giving them what they needed to continue to come and be New York Mets fans, not not Yankees, not Giants, not not uh, Brooklyn Dodgers, but New York Mets fans. Then uh, six and nine, we 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 won them all over because uh, when I pay, when I drove or walked through uh, the New York area, if I see kids in the ballpark. Playing, I see white kids saying, I'm Tommy A.G., I'm Don Clendenna, or Cleon Jones. I see black kids saying, I'm Tom Seaver. That, that resonated with me, and that, that spoke to what we meant to New Yorkers and what we meant to the whole state. The title of the book, Coming Home, what does it mean to you? Well, coming home was always doing the best I could uh, in the game of baseball, so I, 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 would be, I could represent my hometown and come back and do what I'm doing now. Baseball gave me an opportunity to help my community, and I've been coming home since day one. I went to the big league, trying to help other kids to do what I did, trying to uh, give them equipment and, and advice. So I was always coming home with advice and always coming home with giving th- uh, giving uh, gifts, gloves and bats and balls, and coming home to bring a World Series. Mm-hmm. Uh, coming home meant that I was giving back to a community that had given me so much. Coming home, my amazing life with the New York Mets by Cleon Jones and Gary Kaschek. Out now, wherever you buy your books. Cleon, that was awesome. Thank you so much for joining me. Well, thank you guys for spending some time with me. And have a blessed day. You too. Thank you very much. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. 
Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. <laughs> 